Well, it is said that a picture can tell a thousand words, and uh, this picture right here before us of the nativity speaks volumes and volumes and volumes, and uh, three things for sure that this picture tells us is that there's a huge problem there's an amazing solution, and there's also a God-sized call. Uh, there's a huge problem. This picture reminds us of the reality that uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and every person is in need of a Savior. And this picture reminds us of the marvelous reality that a Savior has been given. For God, so loved the world that, by the way, which means an action took place, that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. I mean, friends, what just an amazing solution to a massive problem. Yet, so often, it kind of gets left there at that point. And we forget to jump into the reality that not only is there a huge problem that has experienced a huge solution through Jesus Christ, but there is a God-sized huge call to be had. And part of a problem today is that we have, if you will, a pandemic disease going on in Christianity. I'm going to call it CCD. I figure, hey, everybody else labels stuff, so I'm going to jump on the bandwagon CCD, Christian comfort disease. Christian comfort disease. And uh, Christian comfort disease kind of has this mindset that, you know, I've come to Christ and uh, I just kind of want to be able to get my comfortable group of friends to hang out with. And I'm all for that. But I'm really just, my vision is that, you know, I get to that place where I've got my friends that I'm able just to hang with and we're able just to kind of be Christian friends together and have a good time and uh, that's all great. But then there's the aspect of it just kind of then it's like, you know what, I just want to be able to find a comfortable place where I can come be a part of a church and they'll kind of give me some feel good, you know, uh, gospel nugget size teaching kind of things that are little trinkets of truth here and there and I'm just good with that, and, you know, I'll serve when I feel like it, and I'll give when I can, and, you know, Jesus and me, it's just kind of all about me and making me feel good. Um, I just want to remind us that this picture would never have happened if Christ, if you will, had CCD. To have left the comforts of heaven to come to live on earth among sinners and those that hate your guts. That was uncomfortable. And that was a God-sized call. And by the way, follower of Christ, God has a God-sized call for your life. Do you know that? I want to take a little bit of time and hit on that. What am I talking about? Grab your Bibles and let's go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. I have two, uh, two passages we're going to spend just a little bit of time in and then uh, talk with some related things to that. Matthew 28. Uh, Matthew is the, uh, the gospel written by who? Matthew and the inspiration of God. So it's God's words penned by the human author of Matthew. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some people coming around and love to have you borrow one. Uh, but Matthew is written by Matthew, and he is telling what uh, the story of Christ and the good news of Jesus Christ. And chapter 28 is after what chapter? 27. Just making sure you're with me. It's after 27, and we're in the last verses of this chapter. Uh, this is Christ has died. Christ has risen from the dead. And uh, shortly hereafter, Christ is going to return to heaven. Verse 16, chapter 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee. Not the twelve, but the eleven, i.e. Judas is gone. 
Um, so the 11 disciples go, and out of 1 Corinthians, we really uh, get the context of this passage that in this passage, it's actually really talking about probably hundreds of people, uh, very likely 500 plus people are at this gathering that's taking place. But the text really keys in on the 11 disciples. Verse 16, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain. Got it in your mind? It's a mountain, not the plains. To a mountain to which Jesus had directed them to go. Uh, verse 17, and when they saw him, again, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's shown himself. In an earlier time, he said, I'm going to catch up with you. I'm going to meet with you at a mountain in Galilee. And so Jesus shows up, and what do they do? They worship him. It's like, dude's way to go. That's what it's about. By the way, you've got to put that in context. Well, it's like, duh, Doug. No, duh. You've got to remember back, it was just not that long ago that some of them were like, I don't know who he is. I don't want to have anything to do with him. And what was going on. And so with the process here, the fact is, is the 11 are getting it. They are getting it. And it's like so cool. Now look at the next words. I love the honesty of the Bible. But some doubted. I love that. Doug, like, why do you love that? Because listen, there's the 11 disciples there and there's people that are there, hundreds that are there, and they're worshiping Christ. But the reality of the fact is there are some who are like, um, I don't know about this thing yet. Hey, listen to me. Christianity is for thinking people. And the Bible's very willing to address that reality. Having questions is not a bad thing. The whole thing of, is there a God? Is Jesus God in the flesh? Is this for real? There's nothing wrong with asking those questions. And God's not afraid of being asked those questions. In fact, he addresses it. And by the way, in the text, he doesn't go, and there were some that doubted, bunch of losers. He doesn't talk like that. He's setting the context of what's going on. Jesus comes, the risen Christ comes. There are those who fall down and worship him. And there are some of those who are there who are just like, um, uh, I'm not buying in quite yet. Oh, I just love the honesty of the Bible. Listen, Christianity is for people who think and pursue answers to questions. Verse 18, and Jesus came and he said to them, now, this is a key moment, a key time here. Jesus is about to say something to the troops here. The team's pulled together. I wonder what he's going to say. He's risen. The price has been paid. Maybe he would say something like this. Guys, wow, that has been a rough ride. These last three years have just been like, whoa, over the top crazy. But the task is done. The price is paid. And now, guys, listen to me. It is time to... to to fellowship. It's just time to do this. Let's pull the lazy boy chairs up. Uh, grab some chips, Peter. Hey, Matthew, go grab some dip. And John, go get some Diet Cokes. And we're going to like hang here because we're out in nature. The price for sin has been paid. You know, redemption's made available. And you're all on the plan with me here. And, and we can talk about the past because everything's always better in the past. You know, the future's never any good. It's the past. We can talk about the past and the good and the bad, and we can hang out. And, and sure, we can even invite some people who, like, maybe aren't quite in the whole deal here as long as they don't, like, make us uncomfortable. And then every night, here's the deal. I'll teach you guys for, like, an hour every night. We'll come together. We'll huddle together up here, and I'll teach you. Because you know what? It's about getting your head bigger and bigger with more and more knowledge. You know, that's what I want. I want people walking around with, like, giant God Bible-sized heads. That's what it's all about, guys. So this is time to sink it down, hunker down, and to get calloused rear ends for Jesus. Right? Um, not. What does he say? Verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority. By the way, how much authority? All authority. All authority on earth and in heaven. Uh, that's a lot. Heaven and earth authority. God authority. Listen, there's no one else on earth with the authority that I have. Why is Jesus saying this? Because he is about to tell them what's going to be happening with the rest of their lives. And he's not just some, some schmuck. He's laying out the reality. Listen, I am coming to you and I am talking with authority, Christ is saying, because I have a God-sized authority task ahead for you. So listen up, guys. Here's what I have to say. Here we go. Verse 19. Guys, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In other words, bringing them to a point of repentance in Christ and then teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, helping them to grow in truth for Christ and to live it out. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let me break that out, verse 19. Go! Jesus brings them all together and he says, what? Go! Not sit it, not couch it, but go, get after it. Here's the reality. A price has just been paid. Redemption has been made available. Now's the time to kick it out because now, frankly, after three years, you guys are finally getting it, sort of. And so now's the time to kick it out with what's going on. So he tells them to go. It's not Dorito time. It's kick it out time. Hey, listen, folks, do you realize that going is uncomfortable? In the first service, we just had a couple here from the Chicago area who was here, and they were talking about it, and they are considering moving down into the area and, and just talking about that and, and just talking about how hard it is to think about moving. Hey, it's hard to go. Because sitting around is really comfortable. I'm all for it. Hang, bring me the chips. Actually, I'd rather have the chips ahoy. Bring me the chips ahoy and the game's on this afternoon and that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. But on the whole of life, it's about going, Christ said. Oh, by the way, just go and make. Be going. The, the actual statement is here is, is, as you are going, you are to be making. In other words, it's not like I go somewhere here like Forrest Gump. I just run and run and run and run and run and I don't have any idea what I'm running for and where I'm running to. I'm just, I'm just running. It's not that way. It's go to make. In other words, the making is producing. It takes work. It takes purpose. There's a task that I know that I'm to be involved with in making something. And what is it that they are to be making? Disciples. What is a disciple of Christ? I'm glad you asked. A disciple of Jesus Christ is a person who has come to understand that, as the Bible says, like we just talked earlier, there's a huge problem that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The scriptures tell us everyone, everyone. Everyone starts at the same place. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we also, a follower of Christ, comes to the place where they understand that they've sinned and they understand that there's a Savior for that and not only knowledge about Jesus Christ, but the reality is, is that they know that there's a solution to the problem and I need to receive that. What a perfect time of the year to get that because there's gifts all over the place on the planet at this time of the year. But that gift is never your gift until you take it and receive it and make it your own. Otherwise, it's just a gift made available. Christ died on the cross, rose from the dead to pay the price to make the gift of forgiveness in a relationship with God for all of eternity, and the gift is there. The question is, is, have you received the gift? I'm not talking about, do you know about the gift? I'm talking, have you grabbed it and said, God, listen, the gift that you offer, I need that gift, I take that gift, and now my life is about living out that gift. But it oftentimes stops there. Because it comes to that place to where I receive Christ as my Savior, and then I'm growing and kind of moving forward in my walk with Christ. But it doesn't stop there. Because look at the text. Look at verse 16. Who The 11 what are up there? The 11 disciples. Get this. This is really important. The 11 disciples are told to make what? I would lay this out on the table that here is a real disciple of Jesus Christ, a person who has come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, a person that is growing in Christ as their Savior, because if there's no fruit in your life, if your faith has not changed the fruit and the results in your life, there really is no saving faith there. It's about receiving Christ as my Savior. It's about changing and growing in Christ as the Savior. And it's about being a part of making disciples for Christ. We don't stop here. It's the advancement. This is the time where Christ has given them kick out of the house. You've been able to come to understand me. You've been able to come to watch me and grow in me. And now it's time to get at it. That's the next level of being a disciple. Go and make disciples. Go and bring people to Jesus Christ. Grow them in Jesus Christ and get them reproducing spiritually for Jesus Christ. That's a disciple. Go and make disciples. And friends, the call is on you and the call is on me as well. Oh, by the way, we need to answer this question. Like, go and make disciples where? What does it say? All nations. Now, that's a lot of nations. In fact, I can't think of any nations that are outside of the all nations. That's all nations. Now, think of these guys. Here they are. Jesus Christ is there. He's telling them to go and make disciples of all nations. 
Now, I want for you just real quickly, turn over to the right to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This isn't our second verse, but it's kind of halfway there. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, Christ, a little time later, right before he returns to heaven before their eyes, verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you not this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the time of the seasons that the Father's placed for his own authority. Jesus brings it back on topic. Verse 8, here's the topic. But you will receive... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses where? Then where? And then where? And then where? Okay, there is a plan in place. God has called his people to go and make disciples of all nations. And he doesn't just like throw it out there and go take the world It's more like, listen, there's a process here. They are in this process of first you start in Jerusalem. You start in the territory where you're at, and it's going to take some time. It's actually going to, for them, it's going to take some years for them to start establishing ministry in the place where God has placed them, but always an eye on the world. And then they're going to expand to Judea. See, I think the guys are thinking, okay, Jerusalem, yeah, we can handle that. That's our town. That's our place. You know, that's where our peeps are. We can, we can do this, you know, kind of a thing. But then, okay, Judea, well, that's getting a little bit bigger, but I think we could handle that as well. Now, Samaria, if you were here last Sunday, do you remember? We talked about how the Israelites hated the Samarians, and the Samarians despised the Israelites. Now we're getting uncomfortable because God has called them to go to people they don't even like. And then to the ends of the world. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. How am I to do that? Strategically, movement at a time. How are we to make this look real beyond that? If we're to go and we're to do this strategically, can I just ask a question like, how am I supposed to do that? I am so glad you asked. You guys are asking all the right questions this morning. Hang another right and go to Philipp- or 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. And some of you are going, will he never get off that verse? And the answer is no. And here's why. This verse to me is so key in understanding what it looks like to go and make disciples of all nations. Because God has laid before us a big, bold, bodacious vision that we're to go and make disciples of all nations. But how are we supposed to do that? Well, strategically. But 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 8 says this. Paul telling of how he did ministry in Thessalonica says, We loved you so much. That we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because you had become so dear to us. Let me unpack that. First thing he talks about is is a person that is going to go and make disciples of all nations, you have to start with a love for people. I may not know the names of the people, but I have to love people. Why should I love other people and care about other people? Thing, answer, because God loves other people. For God so what? Loved the world. And if I want to honor my Savior, and if I want to be like my Savior, then I need to love people because He loved people. And by the way, the fact of His loving people included Him loving me. And what a wonderful response to me to respond to my Savior. And it's like, I want to be like you. And that includes like, you loved me, I want to love other people. We loved you so much, Paul says, that we were delighted to do something. There's an action that took place. The first thing was, is in that verse, it says we loved you so much, we're delighted to share with you the gospel of God. Listen, we can go to places, atheists can go to places and love people. But that's not just what's being talked about here. It's not just talking about kind deeds. I'm all about kind deeds and we're to be a people of kind deeds. And Christ has called us to be someone who's showing the love of Christ even through kind deeds. But it doesn't end there. It also includes the reality of going to other people and showing the love of Christ by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, the word of God with people. Listen, people don't need to know or want to know or shouldn't be concerned about what I think. They need to be concerned about what God has to say for them because God has a whole book full to say to them. 
But it's not only about loving people and going and being able to then share the word of God with people, but it's about going, as Paul says, I went because I love people, shared the word of God, and I also shared my life with them. One of the things we've really been trying to work at here in this ministry is to be real. Let's like cut the religious junk and let's be about a relationship with God for real. Real people, real struggles, real questions, needing a real Savior. It's about sharing our lives. Go and make disciples of all nations by loving them with the Word of God in our lives as well. Think about it. This picture tells that story right there. In this picture, that little baby, Jesus Christ, came to make disciples of all nations. How did he do that? By loving people, by telling the good news of himself, and by sharing his life with us for real. Go, make disciples of all nations by loving people with the word of God in our very lives. Three ministry tools. Three ministry tools. Number one, uh, the follower of Christ has been given a set of boots by Christ. He didn't give us a lazy boy chair. He gave us a set of boots. And when I came to Christ... And growing in Christ, we come to understand that God has called me to be a person that's actively out engaged in working with other people. God has called me, God has called you to go, to go, to get after it, and to start the going process, tool number one. Tool number two is the Word of God. We're going and we're sharing this with people. This is what we need. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to be able to proclaim the good news of God. And so as I'm going, as we're going, we're bringing this along. The third tool, uh, instrument that's needed is represented as a towel. A towel, because as we go to people, it's about helping people and loving people. And if you will, it can be about represented by uh, drying the tears in their eyes of life. Listen, I'm going to love people people to help them to bring good news to them and to be able to bring the good news to the problems and to struggles of life. But the towel doesn't stop there because as I'm going, I need the towel not only to dry their tears, I need the towel to be able to dry the sweat on my brow because going takes work, ministry takes work, and I also need the towel to be able to dry my own tears because I'm just telling you, ministry is hard. Ministry is hard. We look at the scripture and we see various men and women in the scripture who just were torn to pieces over ministry. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Ministry's hard. It's uncomfortable. But you know what? That's what God has called you and I to do. Here's the question. Are you and I going to do it? That's the issue. What is the big, bold, bodacious vision? for the follower of Christ and for Christ's churches all over the world to go and make disciples of all nations by loving people with the word of God in our very lives. That's the vision. That's God's vision. That's it. I'm serious. That's it. By the way, that's it. How are we doing that as a church? How are we seeking to do that as a church? I want to transition here, and I actually want to take the remainder of our time, and if you will, talk about Jerusalem. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 again. Start in Jerusalem. And I would say this, start in Jerusalem with an eye on the world. I want to take the remainder of our time in talking about some of the specific things that relate to how we're doing this. There's infrastructure that has to take place in this getting going to the world. You see, the disciples were not just thrown out into the world. They were placed at a place to get themselves going and get themselves moving along. Harvest 
has a common pattern for how this happens. So I want to talk with you here about some infrastructure and shift gears almost into periodically, we call it around here, a bit of a family chat. What's going on here? Some things taking place that all relate to the vision, but I think this is the perfect time of our ministry to be able to talk to you about some things that are going on that I am completely like jazzed up for. Here we go. A harvest plant follows pretty much a common process, and it's really this. Get started, get leadership, get facility, get multiplying. I would maybe term this as this is in Jerusalem with an eye on the world. Um, let's start with get started. We are a plant of Harvest Bible Chapel out of Chicago, if you're newer here. Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago is a very large church, and about 10 years ago, nine years ago now, they began planting churches. They had intended to plant 10 churches in 10 years. Uh, it's now been a little over nine years, and there's over 40 churches that have been planted. That includes all around the U.S., that includes Romania, Scotland, Africa, and a number of other places. I want to toss this out to you as well at this point and let you know this. Harvest is actually now talking about planting a thousand churches in 30 years. That's a big, bold, bodacious vision, and it cranks me up. And we get to be a part of it. And that all started when we got started. We were the 25th church plant of Harvest, and... Um, that included having a launch team, a group of people who were here and preparing to do it. And we launched on March of 2008 with a launch team of about 90 adults, and including kids and any future kids that were still not born yet. We counted them all. And uh, at the time, and we had a worship pastor with Nick. We had myself as a senior pastor. We find a place to be able to meet and harvest churches uh, start out meeting in theaters, meeting in schools, and that's pretty much the norm. And you get a uh, invitation plan, promotional plan going, inviting people, and you get started. March 2008, we got started, and that was the starting point of us seeking to become a three W's church. <laughs> three W's church, what's that? Bing, there you go. Worship Christ, walk with Christ, and work for Christ. The initial couple of years are all about launching and then instilling these in the DNA of the church plant. It's not about having to hit a certain number of people. I'm just telling you that's not the goal. The goal is all about instilling these into the DNA of who we are. What is worship? Well, listen, all of life is about worship. Every moment, 24-7, is all about the worship of Christ. Yet as a church, pragmatically, practically as a church, we oftentimes refer to this component of worship as having to do with our worship services, that we presently have two worship services on Sunday. And so it's getting a service going, and a service that's oriented around the aspect of being a sincere, passionate, for real uh, place that is all about lifting the name of Christ high in worship and in singing and all about proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ without apology, with boldness and practicality. We are about the word of God here and we're thrilled about that and it's seeking to instill that. And we view Sundays not as just the kind of thing where you can kind of just come and hang out. Well, that's part of it. And if you're at that stage, we're glad you're here. But the objective is, is we want a place that really is a, is a moving point for you and the rest of your worship week. That we come together and we praise the Lord and we dig into his word and we grow and change in the process together to thrust us into the remaining part of the week. And then there's the walk. We are about raising disciples. Listen, we're not here about growing a church to a certain attendance. One of the comments or statements of Harvest is, we are all about a quality of discipleship, not a quantity. God will take care of the quantity. We're oriented to the quality. 
And so we believe as a church pragmatically, practically, that small groups are our key form for doing that. Yes, part of Sunday is, is the process of teaching and equipping, but it goes to the next level to dig down real in life. And not just about uh, Sunday school classes where we can get with 70 people and get about this deep, but we are all about small groups. We're not a church with small groups. We are a church of small groups. Small groups is the core foundation of what this church is about. Because it's about people who engage in the scriptures, prepare, come together, and interact, rub shoulders together. It's life on life, side by side, together. Small groups are a huge part of what we're about here. We don't do small groups because like, that's the cool thing to do. We do small groups because we believe that is the moving momentum, key structural area to develop disciples for Jesus Christ. The third component comes into this aspect of work for Christ. We believe that the follower of Jesus Christ is not only about to be worshiping Christ, not only to be growing and walking with Christ, but as someone to be working for Christ, serving Christ. And in the first couple years in the getting established phase of a ministry at Harvest, so much as that is all about serving on Sundays. We have not a small army of people. We actually have a large army of people here that every week are serving in all kinds of capacities. And that's huge to us because we believe quality of discipleship includes people that are moved to be able to serve one another, to serve the next generation. We don't just want to have Sunday school here to take care of kids. We want to have Sunday school for kids that raise the next generation of disciples for Christ. And we want adults who get that vision and who are engaged in those little, cute little kids in their lives to help them grow in Christ and the young teens and teens, uh, older teens. That's worship walk work. This is the getting started. This is what the first couple years of any harvest plant that's out there is doing and getting started. That then moves into the next stage. Not get milk, but get leadership. And get leadership. Because right now in our church here, we have elders are, in essence, myself and Harvest Bible Fellowship in Chicago. And the plan is to get started, get going. And then as we're able to get things moving along, we get elders established here at this church. And I want to let you know, we actually, if you were here some months ago, and when you're studying Titus chapter 1, talking about the process of elders, and we're looking at that, we got a month behind because Karen and I were over in Israel for a couple weeks, and Kent Shaw up in Harvest was in uh, Romania for a couple weeks and so we got behind but I want to let you know that the two men that we're looking right now and considering to become elders here that this last week uh, one of them interviewed with uh, Dave Corning and Rick McDonald up in Chicago and uh, the other one is going to be interviewing uh, actually with them as well this week and I'm looking forward to hopefully here Lord willing in just a couple weeks be able to communicate more to you about that but we're at the place where it's about getting leadership in place and not just elders but then deacons in place and then we're even looking in the aspect of being able to have others who are serving in some key ministry capacity uh, support areas for us as well so it's get started get leadership and then the third i want to dig down a little bit here is get facilities i know all of us wonder so are we going to meet here at the theater for like you know three years five years 20 years um you know what i'm just grateful for a theater i'm dead dog serious about that my goodness, we are so blessed to have this place. And uh, this is probably one of the best plant uh, structures around of plant, harvest plants to be using. So I'm so grateful for it. But I will tell you this, as we're growing and with the rate in which we've grown, it's getting more and more obvious that having a facility would just spearhead us into some additional ministry depths. And we'd love to see that happen uh, for multiple reasons. So I want to talk to you about facilities. Now, we've been, had a team, actually, and letting you know here, we've had a team that's been looking into facility issues for actually 12 months now. When a harvest plant usually hits in the upper 200s, 300, that's when it's, we need to start looking into a facilities and just learning the area. Every region around the country is different. And so we've had a group of guys, and actually I'm going to ask them if they're in here, if they would just uh, stand up, and that would be uh, myself and uh, pastor Nick, our worship pastor, Pastor Eric, our youth pastor, and Marlon Villanueva, if you're in here, uh, maybe serving in kids' ministries. Paul Zerniak, I saw over here, Larry Woods, and Paul Strakowski. Uh, Marlon, you're in the back there, aren't you? Okay, so a couple guys, most of the other guys were in the first service. 
Uh, but these have been guys that have been just a key part of helping us. We've learned a ton. Uh, we've really gotten to know just about just about every possible option available in some strategic areas I'll share in just a second. And we've been able to establish just some tremendous relationships outside that have helped us uh, digging into these areas. I want to talk to you here about now about the process of what we've learned and where we're at. We've narrowed it down to we really believe that the Lord would have us in kind of two, uh, either one of uh, two possible uh, sections on the west side of Indianapolis. You can see over here, this section is a little bit larger. This is Rockville Road to Raceway to Dan Jones to either 200 or 300 north in that area. The other box here is actually right along the 465 corridor. Both of these are completely unique uh, locations in related to land, uh, leasing, buying options, but both fit a regional model. Harvest is a regional church, and you can tell that by looking at the dots. The dots are, the red dots are members here at Harvest. The green dots are those who are regular attenders. It's not everybody. It's just a representation of where they go. And you can look at this, and you can go from downtown um, Indianapolis. Yeah, way to go, IUPUI. All the way out to, by the way, those people from North Salem that are in the dark, we love you. Okay, just so you know, we love you. But uh, in this, you can see, I mean, from Brownsburg to Pittsburgh to really North Salem to Danville to Avon to uh, Plainfield down south, all the way over into Indianapolis, up on the north side and even Westfield and up by the pyramids. We've got people from all over the I'll tell you, any harvest you go to in the country, that will be the paradigm, the reality that you see. This is how we're structured. This is why we do things in many ways the way that we do. And so facility has much to do about how can people come to a centralized place and then be able to go and make disciples of all nations. And so these two places are the two key places that we've been looking in. Both of them also have a unique community reality to them. More one west suburbs, more one has uh, more down the 465, has the ability to reach all over the place and has uniqueness about it as well. I want to talk to you here about some of the land and building uh, options, the land. Uh, really, land is available around. It's more in the western suburbs section, which is, makes sense if you know anything about Indianapolis, but there is bare land around. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a second. There's leasing options, and I'll tell you more about that, but I don't think they're very good, frankly. Uh, third, there's a buy and build out options, and that's really more along the 465 corridor. Let me talk about land and build. We've been looking uh, at land anywhere from 15 to 60 acres uh, in size. Uh, land in uh, this, that size in that area, depending on location and what the situation is, for all practical purposes, is about a million dollars for prop, just bare property. Buy some dirt. Um, and it's anywhere really from about 700000 to one and a quarter, but if you want to just be big picture, it's about a million dollars. A building, we need a facility that would be, if we were to build a facility, it would be about 30,000 square feet. Presently, we actually use 23,000 square feet here. This is a 10,000 square foot auditorium, plus the classroom space that's used, plus the office. We would need about a 30,000 square foot facility. For church construction costs, $100, 110 a square foot is a pretty much a reality with all of the things considered like a whole lot of asphalt and a whole lot of uh, other stuff. And we're really talking about a facility that's three and a half million plus. Um, totaling, we're really looking at uh, land and build out would be about a at minimum four and a half to five million dollars. Uh, also, time-wise, it would be the kind of thing that would probably take about five years before we'd be, even be able to move into such a facility if financing and funding were to be done. I'll let you know that a five million dollar facility would require a, at least a million and a half dollars down. And um, I'm just. We don't have a million and a half right now, but we're going to be seeing what the Lord does over time. Uh, leasing. Uh, one common uh, approach that harvest plants do is move into leasing, whether it's a warehouse or leasing a retail spot. Uh, there's just in our area, there's 
options, but there's not a lot of good ones. We've looked at GERT. We've looked, I'm just telling you, we've looked at every one of them. Let me give you one example. Linens and things right across over by Target in more of a retail spot within our sections that we have highlighted up here is about to rent is about $40,000 a month of rent. I'm just going to let you know we're not there. Um, we actually are more like about eight to 9000 presently with what we pay for the theater and the office. And so in many ways, I, from what's on the table, it's pretty realistically uh, cost prohibitive. Another option outside of the land to build and lease is buy an existing facility and build it out. This is actually a very common approach with harvest plants, including the very first harvest Bible chapel that was placed in Rolling Meadows, uh, Chicago area. It was, I think, like a Lowe's or a Home Depot warehouse center that uh, was purchased and then adapted into a church and is still used that today uh, for in the range of generally they have five to 6,000 on a Sunday up there. These are two plants. I'm going to start here. Uh, harvest in Davenport, Iowa. This is a group of us. Some of us who went. <laughs> okay. This, uh, we did this. Uh, it would have been about right about three years, two years ago now. Went out there, took a look. Uh, today, Har Harvest Davenport is five years old. They were in a school for, um, for the, about two years, grew to a place where they were about 500, then transferred over and got a facility. Actually, they made about a 15-mile move. It was a significant move for them, and it all came down to being a regional church, placing themselves in a hub center. And in fact, if you look on the, the Google map, you can see a little bit there. They are actually, this building was, it was like an old best, or it was a, not old, but it was a best buy building, kind of a facility, beautiful, 60,000 square feet. I think 15,000 of that was being leased out to a beauty school that actually allowed them, they bought the facility and that actually helped them to be able to afford the facility for the next couple years or year and a half until they grew to the point where they needed the space and they now fully use it. In fact, they actually have outside uh, trailers because they're growing out of it. But they're at a place where behind them is a major highway. Right over here is a strip mall in the Harley-Davidson store. Right over here is another one. Across the street over there is actually the mall. Um, the amount of property they have doesn't have much grass, but uh, it's a place there. It's a central hub, regional ministry, and you can see how they've uh, just really cool auditorium and how they finished that out. This is Harvest Naperville, actually the very first harvest plant. They met in a high school until they got in the place where they were in the mid-upper 600s. And then they bought this facility. This was a four-story office building, executive office building. They bought it. It was in bad shape. Uh, right over here to the right is a Holiday Inn. Right over here to the left is an L.A. Fitness. And right out here in front of it is a full, all full office business park. On the back of the building is Highway 88, where about a million cars a day, or I don't know, some massive number of cars a day, go by the facility. But it's 110,000 square feet. It's just huge. It's more than they needed, but it became a God provision for them. Up on the highway, you can see their auditorium as they've kind of finished that out. Uh, Davenport has about 2,000 people attending on a Sunday. Naperville has in the area of about 1,700. But this is just, I wanted to bring this to give you an idea. This is what a build-out, buy and build-out facility looks like uh, in a harvest kind of a church. Uh, we are looking at this option and we're considering it. And there's a, there's a couple that are possible and this can be the type of thing where it's a, a five, ten year short term where you build an asset and then move or it becomes a long term for what's going on. But uh, those are the scenarios. Uh, no, we don't have a building. We don't have a decision made. We're not going anywhere yet. But today, out of what we're talking about with having a big, bold, bodacious, and today vision, I just want to bring you some practical realities on where we're going on the get facility part of moving ahead. So here's three things for you I want to ask for you on light of facility. Number one, I want for you to know that we're looking and we're getting very well. It's not as much about needing help being looking. I'm telling you, we know about places and places that aren't even up for sale. Uh, two, would you pray? Would you pray? Because I have no idea what God is going to do. And uh, he's a very big God and he could do a lot. Would you pray that God would work some places and some land or some 
uh, given us wisdom. And third, would you just pray that God would be uh, working with us financially? Any of these options are going to take at minimum $500,000 as a down payment. Right now we have 50000 in our future facility fund. Thrilled about that. We'd love to be able to see that eclipse over 100000 here going into 2010. Because it very well could be possible in 2010 that we come to you and uh, with facility uh, that we're looking at. And uh, we ask for kind of a three-year pledge system. So would you be praying for that? But today was all just about letting you know. Uh, in Jerusalem, it's about getting started getting leadership, getting facility, and fourth, as we finish out, it's about get multiplying. All of these, these buildings, discipleship is not about a building, but a facility can foster further discipleship. And in all of this, in this get multiplying, we're always pursuing this. But in these first five years of a harvest plant, so much is about infrastructure things with the eye on the future. With the eye on the opportunity, not just to minister to Avon, not just to minister to Brownsburg or to Plainfield. It's literally our desires to be able to be a massive ministry tool of God's to the west side of Indianapolis. Why? Because I figure God's big and he calls us to big things. So let's go and make disciples. Year 10. I would love it if in year 10, the Lord, could you make this happen? Lord, in year 10, could, could hundreds of people have come to Christ by year 10? I'm not talking 10. I'm serious. Why not hundreds of people that have come to understand that Jesus Christ loves them, has died for them, and has made a provision for forgiveness of their sins and an eternal relationship with God, and they've received him and started on the path to walking with Christ. Hundreds of people. I'd love to see thousands of people impacted. I'm not talking attendance. I'm just talking about people impacted. People where they're reaching and going, yes, thousands. I'd love to see it where 70% of our average Sunday attendance is involved in a small group. Right now, we're about 45%. I'd love to see that at 70% because that's where we believe disciples are made. I'd love to be able to see the continuation of a dynamic Sunday children's ministry with adults that buy in to the impacting the next generation for Christ and view Sunday mornings as a key time to do that. Because if, if discipling adults scares the living life out of you, let's go at the kids. It is one of the greatest ministry starting places in coming to understand what it means and looks like to disciple someone. And that's firsthand as someone in ministry who was thrust into overseeing children's ministries for four years. Love to see leadership is proven and trusted and unified and is leading. I'd love to see an army of side-by-side -side disciples. People with a passion and people with growing training who on, on just kind of ongoing informal basis are connecting up, rubbing shoulders, getting together and helping one another and, and providing soul care, life-on-life -life discipleship to men and women and couples and parents and teens and addicts and the hurting and the incarcerated and the poor. Love it. Where we're actually viewed as a true blessing of the community, not stated by so by us, but by the community. That we are so glad you are here in this community, whatever that looks like, because you're a blessing to this area. I would love to see us at year 10 be a place where this last year we had 30 people from this brand new plant go over to Romania. I would love to see that number dwarfed in year 10 to where people are just all the time we're about engaging personally in ministry here in Indianapolis and around Indiana and across America and other countries across and we're sending people out from here to be long-term ministries overseas and other places. I would love to see us be at a place to where we are actually a Harvest Bible Fellowship training center. 
where it's with pastoral training, where it's with discipleship and counseling training, where it's with worship training, whatever that might be. Because if this ministry, part of this whole ministry, is going to be planting 950 more churches in the next 30 years, we are at a great place to be able to be of key impact across the globe. We'd love to see us to where in year 10, we've already planted two harvest churches right from out of here. I don't know whether that's here in Indianapolis or in Indiana or overseas, but either two planted or number two is just about to be planted with the objective of planting one every four or five years after that. I'd love to have a facility that supports ministry and doesn't strap ministry. That's strategic. It's not about a campus. It's not about aren't we cool. It's about a place that functions as an A-plus ministry center for God to do a great work. And I want an indoor playground during break times. I'd love to see A-plus children's ministry, yeah, with an indoor playground for people and families who come during these ugly winters and hang out at our place and enjoy it. I'd love to have a teen center that just rocks love to have a place that supports small groups and community ministry and uh, creative discipleship, side-by-side mentoring and counseling. Folks, these won't happen if we're not committed to the three W's. Not just about being a place that worships, walks, and works for Christ for years one and two. It's about being at year 10, a place that works and or worships and walks and works with Christ. And at year 20, a place that is all about worshiping and walking and working for Christ. May God use us, not for our glory, but for his. But let's proceed in the kind of a way to where our passion is about going and making disciples of all nations, right? By loving people through the word of God and through our very life. Let's pray. Lord, today's been a different kind of a day on purpose. It's about being reminded of the vision that you've put out for us. It's being reminded of what you've called us to do and what you've called us to be. And Father, I pray if any of this has come off with any kind of arrogance or pride on my or our part that you would just wipe that out. Because you know this is so not about us. This is all about you. But the fact of the matter is, is you've called us to be part of what you're doing So, Lord, we just don't want to be the kind of place where they come to you and we're ready to sit back and grab the Doritos and kick it out in comfort for you. I pray we would be the kind of place that's ready to kick it out and use our lives for you. Lord, I have no idea what's ahead, but you do. But I do pray this, that we would pursue after you with great grit, passion, And that this place would have a bold, big, bodacious vision of being used by Christ. We want to see you use us so that there's people around who would ask us, how could this happen? And we could not say it has anything to do with us. All the glory goes to you because it's too beyond our limited capability. We want to see you and we want to see you work. And we thank you what you're doing. So for you. We press on. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.